Uh, what a wild weekend that was. Welcome in on a Monday. Mike Steely, Parker Thune, Steelman and Thune at noon, presented by, during the first hour, Lasher Home Comfort Systems. They'll do a great job for you. Give Tim Lasher and his company a call for all your heat and air needs at 405-579-3113. That's 405-579-3113. Let's light up the Air Comfort Solutions text line today as well, 405 651 that is 405-651-3439. All right, so final four is all set. We got Blue Blood, St. Peter's Cinderella story comes to an end. Kansas Villanova in the first game out. These both uh, both of these games, by the way, are on TBS Saturday. Kansas Villanova to start at 510. And how about Duke and North Carolina in a national semifinal in New Orleans? Coming up Saturday night, 7.50 on TBS. Carolina beat St. Peter's. KU over Miami. Great second half by KU. Villanova won an ugly game with Houston, but they did lose their second-leading scorer, uh, Justin Moore, the uh, junior guard, to the hamstring injury. That's going to hamstring their chances quite a bit. You would think in their matchup with KU, Duke beat Arkansas 78-69. So, uh, it's, you know, I kind of like this, that we had good Cinderella stories. We had upsets. Uh, I don't like the fact that Villanova is going to be without more, you know, in this matchup. I don't like this Final Four. You don't this like is, it? This is the most anticlimactic Final Four of all time. Duke, Kansas, North Carolina, Villanova. Wait a minute, though. You really wanted to see – you're telling me that North Carolina Duke is not better in a national semifinal than Duke and St. Peter's. I'm not saying it's not better. I would <laughs> – I would much rather have seen St. Peter's versus Duke in a national semifinal. Because, you know, Shaheen Holloway is like the only player ever to take multiple campus visits to Duke and turn down Coach K. So, uh, it's an anti-Duke thing, maybe. Well, Sorted. and also just <laughs> a 15 seed in the Final Four, Mike, we, we'd never see that again. Yeah, look, it was a great story. I enjoyed it very much. Maybe the fact that Doug Eddard came out and said that he didn't like sandwiches, maybe that was the kiss of death for the Peacocks in their matchup when they they did How that. How does one not like sandwiches? I don't know, but that's what he said. It was all over Twitter, and everybody blamed that comment for St. Peter's not being able to really compete with North Carolina. If there's one thing that is universally accepted and adored, it is bread. Even people who have celiac or gluten sensitivity – Find a way around it. Mm-hmm. Everyone eats sandwiches. I know. I don't know what he's talking about. So uh, we got a lot of things going on, a huge recruiting weekend. We're going to do a lot of that coming up, and that's going to start in the second segment. But, man, there is no place to lead other than Sooner Women's Softball because this unbelievable team now, 29-0, and 0, what is it, uh, 24 by run rule now? Is that what it is? Uh, I've got it written down somewhere. It is for Oklahoma, 24 by run rule. 29 and 0. They were down to their last outs in that game yesterday against Baylor. It looked like uh, they were going to suffer their first defeat. It was going to be a big upset. I don't know if Oklahoma can run the table, but they certainly have the talent and obviously the coaching to get it done. But Chris Blank on the call, some dramatics yesterday over at Marita Hines Field. The 3 1 is lifted pretty deep to center field. Tiara Jennings, cold game. Jennings, cold game. Oklahoma wins it on a walk-off three-run bomb from T.R.A. Jennings. Win column Sooners. Game over. Very nice. Great moment there. T.R.A. Jennings with a three-run homer as Oklahoma rallies to beat Baylor 3-1 to go to 29-0 in the year. 
that's a great moment for Jennings, and Plank always rises to the moment as well with another great call, just like he had on Jocelyn Allo's uh, record-breaking home run. Another great call by the Plankster. Outstanding job, Chris. Sooner sweep Baylor over the weekend. Again, perfect 29-0. Let's hear from Tiare Jennings on the Sooners rallying to stay undefeated yesterday. It was just such a team win. I think Hope did a great job in the circle, keeping us in the game the entire time. Our bench, our everyone in the lineup, we were just mentally in the game the entire time. It was just a great competition and a good win for us. So glad to do it for the team, but it wasn't if it wasn't me, it was going to be Jossie doing it. So I'm glad the lineup got turned over, and it was just a good win. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, I, I just love it. This team is unbelievable. And uh, Patty Gasso, the queen of Norman, she deserves her own castle. Gasso Castle. Where can we put it? I mean, with, like, guards, like at Buckingham Palace and everything. And we maybe, must maybe they protect can put it that on, lady. Maybe they can put it on the old grounds of Marita Hines Field once they move. <laughs> Could be. But uh, unbelievable, Parker. I mean, this team is so much fun to watch. They're such, such classy ladies. We went out to eat Saturday night and saw uh, a group of the OU women softball players out and said, hello, great job, all that stuff. You know, I fanboyed, completely fanboyed. I was an old dad in the progressive commercial oh, pretty boy. much. <laughs> I asked Shay afterwards, I said, was I just a progressive uh, parent there? Uh, she was like, yes. But you had to congratulate him. That was too cool. This was Saturday, though, even before the heroics on Sunday. And they were super nice. So, uh, you know, Oklahoma, you can't say enough. They're the favorite to win it. Defending national champion. And off to this unbelievable start, they'll host Wichita State tomorrow, 6 o'clock at Marita Hines Field. But like I said, right now, OU women's softball, only behind Sooner football for the most popular sport on campus. And even the football guys like Bob Stoops, they're big fans of Patty Gasso. you got to admit, she's an absolute superstar. She is a dear friend. Uh, think the world of her. And uh, um, she, she could be the head football coach also and win. <laughs> Believe me, that's how good she is. Um, let's, let's face it, too. She's done it here in the middle of the country when maybe it isn't the, the perfect place for softball country or again, when it comes to recruiting and, and how many, you know, the population and this, that, and the other, but it doesn't matter to Patty. Uh, she hasn't had the best stadium. She hasn't had the top facilities in the country, but she gets the best players. She develops her players. She has to be great to play for the way these, Young women play for her and the recruits she gets. So you got to listen, my hat's off to her. She's the absolute best. There you go, Bob Stoops. So at the end of the day, great execution by Tiari Jennings, right? So anyway, great job by the OU women's softball team. And that was Bob talking recently when Patty recently went into the Oklahoma Sports Hall of Fame and uh, right here on the ref when he's on, uh, you know, on the rush Tuesdays with. Uh, Tyler and Teddy. So, Bob Stoops, big fan. Why wouldn't you be? Unbelievable. So, uh, the Sooner women's softball team, again, they're, they're just rock stars. They're absolute rock stars. And the two times that they have been down and out where it looked like they were down and out, what are you smiling at? They're going to go undefeated, Mike. You think so? They're going to go I undefeated. I thought you were laughing. You're laughing at me, aren't you, for being oh, the progressive no. dad no, I'm just- at dinner? I I couldn't I can't, I couldn't help but smile when I saw the highlight of Tiara Jennings walking it off because you know I said I said I think before the season even started 
I think the Sooners are going to run the table. They will not lose a game this year. Patty Gasso said afterwards it would have helped more if they had lost. Oh, boy. Rat poison. Is that too much pressure, though, if you go to uh, Hall of – look, we'd all love to see an undefeated national championship season out there in, in Soonerland. I get that. But, man, that's, that's a lot of extra pressure to win it all and, you know, go through the perfect season. I mean, you've been down to your last strike on two occasions. Tennessee – Tennessee and Baylor. Baylor. Yeah. And in both cases, you pulled through <laughs> somehow, yeah. some way. And, and not like a walk-off single. It's like both of them walk-off shots well, and, out of the park. Well, and it's not like you had Jocelyn Allo up at the plate both times either. It was, right? was Jada Coleman, Coleman who and I think Jennings. was in the nine hole that day, and T.R.A. Jennings. And so it's the type of thing, Mike, where they're getting contributions from literally everybody. Nobody's carrying this team. Not even Jocelyn Allo is really carrying this team. Everybody all across the board, whether on the pitching staff or in the field, everybody is contributing in some way to what looks like it may be the greatest team in the history of college softball. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, to me, I, I look at this team and do you see a weakness? No. I mean, they've got – uh, Jordy Ball is everything she was advertised to be. Nicole May is even better. Hope Troutwine did a great job yesterday keeping the Sooners in the game. They're good defensively. They're terrors at the plate. They're just – they've got – I don't know if they have a weakness. I don't know if they do. And forget about the 27 Yankees being murderers row. It's this OU women's softball team. You can't pitch around them. I mean, you just can't do it. So – uh, thought Baylor had it done yesterday, but if there's one team that knows how to pull off the dramatic comeback, it's the OU women. They will play Wichita State tomorrow at 6 p.m. at Marita Hines Field. So congratulations to the ladies. Now 29-0, by run rule. Okay, uh, we got a lot of recruiting stuff to talk about. It was a big weekend, and uh, are the Sooners going to close and get any commitments from this past weekend, we've talked about Brent's philosophy. You know, unless you're fully committed, they don't want you taking other visits. So go take your visits. That's that's the way they're going about it. So we've said this is kind of be it's going to be a marathon for Oklahoma putting this uh, these classes together rather than a sprint. You're going to see some schools going with the sprint, and then when they get you know they round that final curve in the long run. You know, they're going to lose some recruits down the stretch while the Sooners are going to have a strong kick if this philosophy works out. And, uh, you know, you have every reason to believe it will. That's what happened at Clemson. And uh, Brent is going with the same uh, way about his business here at the University of Oklahoma. All right, our thanks to Tim Lasher, Lasher Home Comfort Systems. Hope everybody had a great weekend. Good to have you with us. Air Comfort Solutions tax line 405 651 3439. That's 405 651 3439. We will talk sooner football when we get back. And the one year, the one year, this is the first time I haven't watched the Academy Awards in forever. I mean, at least 40 years. And that happened? Wow. I wonder if Tyler's finished our masterpiece meme yet. Hey, you, you know, you saw the clip circulating on. Social media over the weekend where Miguel Chavis goes, you will not play for me if you're not violent. <laughs> Clearly, Will Smith would make the team at Oklahoma. Oh, man, we got to talk about that, too. Stay with us. Steel Man and Thune at noon here on the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network. Holy cow. 
So, again, I made the decision, executive decision, you know what, I don't think I'm going to watch the Oscars this year. Woke up really early this morning, about 4.15, checked Twitter. What? Really? Wow. How about that? We might as well play the uh, clip. Don't worry, I put the sensor beep in there. Of Will and Chris Rock. Just in case you uh, you have been passed out uh, over the last 24 hours or so and you had no idea what happened to the Oscars last night. Uh, Chris Rock was uh, giving out the award for best documentary feature and uh, told a few jokes prior to giving out the award. And uh, Will Smith didn't like it. Came up and slapped him across the face. Jada, I love you. G.I. Jane 2, can't wait to see it. All right? <laughs> That was a nice one. Okay. I'm out here. Uh oh. Richard. (laughs) Oh, wow. Wow. Will Smith just smacked the (laughs) out of me. Wow, dude. Yes. It was a G.I. Jane jump. Keep my wife's name out your f- mouth. I'm going to, okay? <laughs> I could, oh, okay. That was a greatest night in the history of television. Okay. Okay. What was that all about? Oh my, that was way out of hand. Crazy. Crazy. And Will Smith won Best actor for King Richard. He did a great job playing uh, Richard Williams, Venus and uh, Serena's dad. <sighs> Took them out of uh, the courts in Compton to uh, becoming two of the greatest tennis stars of all time. Serena's the best female player of all time. I don't want you – you can say Margaret Court all you want. Serena is the greatest. The thing <laughs> the thing that confuses me about that whole ordeal is they're showing the cutaway scenes to Will and Jada as Chris is on his monologue. Right. right? And Will's laugh like he laughs. He's, he's laughing. I mean, it you wasn't never, a, it wasn't a laugh out loud, but he was kind of like he you know, was hey, cackling. Yeah, all right, like, I got it. She must have said something, or she's got what is the disease called? Aplexia, aplesia, uh, alopecia, alopecia, which you can't grow hair, right? You, yes. You cease growing hair. So, and then he makes the G.I. Jane joke. I don't know. I don't think Chris Rock had any idea about her condition. Do you? And first of all, I mean, it's, I could see if she's in a wheelchair and he makes a crash joke or something like that. But come on, man. That was a complete overreaction. I just, I, I, you you had no way of knowing that was coming if you were watching Will Smith's reactions. Because like, 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 like I was saying, he was just sitting there chuckling, and then the next thing you know, he's swinging at Chris Rock. Yeah, he's walking up there, and, you know, TJ said he was watching it live, and obviously they, they censored the whole thing where people were like, what? But TJ said, you know, you could read Will Smith's uh, lips, what he was saying, particularly the second time around. But Chris Rock is not a big dude. We had him in studio a long time ago when I was working at a, another radio station. Kind of quiet, too. I mean, a nice guy, but he's not, you know— He's not a large man. Uh, Will Smith, though, man, that that was, uh, I don't know, man. Seemed to me like a complete overreaction right there. I mean, if you're upset about that, you get with him afterward and say, man, I think you owe my wife an apology. She's dealing with this or whatever. And then Chris Rock can say, man, I had no idea. But to just go up there and do that, I don't know, that's, that's pretty weak. 
So a weird night. He wins the Oscar for Best Actor and becomes the uh, jackass of the evening in the same night. It's pretty rare when that happens. Pretty, pretty rare. I mean, uh, have you seen anybody out there trying to justify what Will Smith did? Parker, I mean, are, I'm sure there are probably a few people. Oh, uh, yeah, there. people are trying to just like there are people on both sides like, of the aisle. He said that to my wife, I'd do the same thing. Exactly, what, yeah, know, yeah, yeah, that kind of thing. I mean, there's a time and place you got to try and handle it in a diplomatic, mature way first, and not not go that route. I, I just thought that was weak. The dude's a comedian, man. If Liam Neeson had walked up, you know, as they're getting seated and said, "Hey, Jada, you know." Can't wait to see you in G.I. Jane 2 or whatever. Okay, I get it. He's a comedian. He's up there doing an act. He's doing a bit. That was that was insane. Really insane. But like I said, I, I guess I'm never going to miss the Oscars again. Really and truly, that is the first time in uh, just over 40 years that I haven't watched the Academy Awards. I usually watch them start to finish this year, uh, you know, watching some Netflix stuff and just decided, nah, let's go with this series instead. But Wow. That was crazy. Absolutely crazy. I mean, I like Will Smith. He was great in that movie. We, uh, we you know, watched it the first night it was out. I think it was HBO Max, if I'm not mistaken. Did a great job. I've been a big fan of his, but that was, that was not, a, not a cool moment, in my opinion. All right, uh, let's see what you have to think. Anything on your mind? Air Comfort Solutions tax line, 405-651-3439. Uh, 405-651-3439. One listener says, Will Smith should be ejected for the first half of next year's Oscar ceremony for targeting. <laughs> nice. I like it. I like it. Uh, we, we, everybody has their own. I, I, you know what? No, it's actually just one person sending us a crap ton of the exact same meme with different captions. Tyler just you know, put out on the ref, by the way, on the ref Twitter page put out a really good meme. We were talking in the lobby, and I said, you know, I would have been a fan of that if that was uh, Mule Shoe instead of uh, Chris Rock. And Tyler was like, I can do that. So he went in and made the meme. And it's very well done. It's outstanding. One listener says, I think Will did the, t- the, he did the TV laugh, and then he realized it wasn't funny. Yeah, I probably. I don't know. I, it didn't look like. Of course, they cut back to Chris Rock for a second, but I don't know if Jada said something. Do you think? Did Jada Pinkett Smith say something like, "Man, that's not cool"? I don't know, think I we've heard this, from her. Yeah, I don't think we have either. And you usually hear a lot from her, maybe too much from her, from what I understand. So uh, I don't know. It's it's uh, it was very bizarre. I, I thought it was a complete overreaction, but man, uh, I'm trying to think of was there anything that that's almost. At an award show, the only thing I can think of that is even close to that was Kanye getting up there with Taylor Swift at the Grammys, right? When he said, Beyonce just recorded the greatest album of all time. I I can't think of anything else. Maybe I'm wrong here. I often am. Let me know in the Air Comfort Solutions text line if you can think of anything that bizarre. There was the dude who had the Soy Bomb t-shirt who got up on stage uh, at the Grammys. Uh, was it Marlon Brando who refused to accept? No, I think it was Vanessa Redgrave who ex- refused to accept uh, the Oscar one year, I think. But that's the only other moment that I can think of is when Kanye got up on stage and interrupted Taylor Swift. That was in the same ballpark. I just do my best not to keep up with celebrity drama at all because it's really not worth keeping up with to a certain extent. 
No, I'm with you. I'm not. I don't watch E or Entertainment Tonight or any of that stuff. It's uh, you know, leave that to Muleshoe. He wanted to go out there and hang with the uh, celebs, I guess. But it's hard not to uh, just because of the stage where that happened. You know, makes it pretty incredible. You know what we need to do? You know what we need to do? We need to hire a mole out in L.A. We need to hire someone. To act as a beat reporter for USC, mm-hmm. but feed us all of the abrasive intel on the mule shoe regime at USC. Who could be the mule we, shoe we, mole? Hmm. Well, if we, we, we here's the thing: we can't publicly name candidates. No, you can't. It's got to be otherwise, completely undercover. Yeah, Lord knows, Mule Shoe has ears everywhere. Double knot spy. And he'll bring them down. We're looking for a double knot spy, not Jethro Bodine. We're looking somebody for somebody of real quality here. Okay, an inside job. That's what's necessary here. Man, do you think the Oscars does anything? They haven't done anything yet. But <laughs> what was this? Somebody sent out the uh, screenshot, I guess, of the. We have an incident. We've heard of an incident tonight at the Oscars. We're looking into it, like, from the L.A. Police Department. Uh, Boz. Somebody said Boz. Brian Bosworth? Well, no, they're talking about the the previous comment was Boz in his National Communists Against Athletes shirt was a bad TV. Uh, Yeah, yeah. It's not an award ceremony, but it certainly uh, created a lot of controversy. There's no doubt. And it got him basically removed from the team. Uh, Somebody said the whole Smith Rock ordeal was completely scripted. Well, the Oscars said it wasn't. The award show for these celebrities have been in serious decline and hitting all time lows for years now. Uh, now the entire country is talking about last night. See, that's kind of what I thought initially. Now, look, it, if Oscar is behind that, they're not going to come out and say, yeah, well, you know, yeah, we, we just kind of decided we'd go with this deal. Um, I mean, I wouldn't put it – I wouldn't completely dismiss that theory because um, I'm a pretty big movie buff, and if I'm not even interested in the Oscars, um, you know, and I know a lot of people watch it, the ladies watch it for the fashion and stuff like that, but – yeah, that wouldn't totally shock you, me. You, you couldn't make me care about the Oscars. I had no idea it was happening last night until social media started blowing up. This is the first year I've seen like four of the Best Picture candidates, and that's it. I, I never saw Coda, the which one Best Picture, last night. So, I don't know. Yeah, maybe... Uh, maybe a lot of people are feeling the same way. All right, we're going to break right here, come back. Full segment on Sooner Football, the big recruiting weekend coming up. Tim Lasher, Lasher Home Comfort Systems, bringing you hour number one here on The Ref. Steelman and Thune, well afternoon now on your Monday. Hope your weekend went well. Give Tim Lasher and Lasher Home Comfort Systems a call. Area code 405-579-3113 for all your heat and air needs. Keep those texts coming in. Air Comfort Solutions text line 405-651-3413. 39. We shall return. We're back on a Monday. Hope everybody had a nice, enjoyable, relaxing weekend. And welcome to the week. Welcome to Monday. Mike Steele, Parker Thune here on the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network. Got a lot of things going on. We've talked about the incredible, amazing, uh, just incredulous comeback by the OU women's softball team. Maybe it wasn't, though, because that's the second time they've done it this year. So maybe it was to be expected, actually. 
But uh, another thrilling moment there, and uh, we're into week number two of spring football practice, media availabilities today, and a huge recruiting weekend has come and gone. Parker, what do we know? What are you thinking about uh, what happened this weekend, and uh, how are you feeling about some of these prospects maybe making a commitment to Oklahoma really soon or feeling better about them uh, ending up at Oklahoma. State. Well, again, I don't think this weekend was going to result in any commitments unless, as we had talked about last week, they decided to offer Dax Collins. The one guy that you could see maybe popping off with an early commit- commitment was Stacy Gage. That didn't happen. So this was far more about momentum than anything else. And you have Stacy Gage in town. You have T.A. Cunningham in town, Heaven Brown Schuler, uh, some of these elite guys across the 2023-2024 classes. It's just kind of like we had talked about with the March 5th weekend of visitors. It's not really about getting guys to commit at this point in the cycle with the philosophy that Oklahoma and this staff is espousing. It's just about getting them on board with the culture at Oklahoma. And from the guys I've spoken with, the people I've talked to, uh, one of the things that stands out and this is not new, Mike, but one of the things that stood out this weekend was the family environment at OU and the reality that this staff and this university want to make you feel at home at OU. And moreover, uh, I think getting the opportunity to watch practice was big for a lot of guys that were in town this weekend because it showed them what they can expect at OU, which is a high-intensity, very hands-on uh very in-depth type of practice environment. And so on the whole, I would say things are moving in a really strong direction for Oklahoma right now in the 2023 class. There's a lot more 2024s in town this weekend. And so if you're able to build an early core of guys that you can assemble the rest of the class around and that can recruit their peers, you're looking at guys like David Stone, Stacey Gage, T.A. Cunningham, kind of uh, right in, smack dab in the middle of that conversation. At that point, you have the opportunity to do something really special in the class of 2024, and I think that's what the Sooners are going to continue to angle for in the coming months. Sooner fans had to be pretty excited to see the uh, the picture tweeted out with DJ Lagway and Stacey Gage, with uh, Lagway handing the ball to Stacey Gage. That would be a pretty good combination, right? To get to, I know you think they'll eventually wind up with Stacey Gage, but uh, what are we hearing on Lagway at this point? Well, he doesn't have the offer yet, and I'm not exactly sure what the quarterback situation is eventually going to look like in the class of 2024 because in my mind, there are four guys. There are four guys that I would say have the chance and the possibilities on the table that they are Oklahoma's primary quarterback target in the class of 2024. Those guys are Lagway, Dylan Riola, Michael Hawkins, and Mabry Mataire. Oklahoma hasn't offered any of those four guys yet. And to be honest, I don't know if they will for quite a while yet. Because I it, it would not at all shock me if Jeff Lebby wants to see how they look their junior year of high school this fall Makes before sense. he extends an offer. Because the reality is, Mike, once you make the offer, 
you're probably going to get whichever one of those kids you do offer. Because- and the way they're going about it, Parker, if they're making the offer, and it's kind of the same expectation they, they expect from the kids, right? That if you're committed to us – so if they're unsure at this point, it's not like some other staffs around the country, and they're going to say, "Yeah, let's go ahead and offer this kid if somebody else better comes along." We'll just tell them we know. Well, you be, be, yes. So you want to be a thousand percent committed to your mm-hmm. quarterback, and you don't want any doubt uh, in either camp that this is the guy you want at the forefront front of your program. Now, I think, to be honest with you. They're going <laughs> to – Levy's probably ha- had to learn the hard way from his experience recruiting quarterbacks in the class of 2023 because I was down at Battle Dallas this weekend. Uh, Jaden Rashada, the five-star quarterback out of Pittsburgh, California, recognized me, pulled me aside and said, man, you want to know what's crazy? I was going to commit to Oklahoma in January. I was going to take my visit and commit, but Jackson Arnold beat me to the punch. Wow. And so that's that's what Oklahoma was doing – with the quarterback position at that point in time in the class of 2023. They had offered two guys, Arnold and Rashada, and basically it was going to come down to whoever came on campus first and decided to commit. But, you know, say, and I'm not saying this is going to happen, but four or five years down the road, say Arnold just kind of has a ho-hum collegiate career and Rashada's an NFL first-round pick, then you're kind of kicking yourself in hindsight going, man, we could have had that guy, but we got ahead of ourselves and took Jackson Arnold again. I'm, again, I am not at all saying that's going to happen, not at all saying I think that's going to happen. But what I am saying is I think going forward, Oklahoma, much like they were doing under Muleshoe, is going to take more of an approach of, okay, this is the one guy we want. We are going to single out our guy. We're not going to offer multiple dudes at the quarterback position. We're not going to play first come, first serve. We're going to say, this is our guy. This is who we want. We're going to recruit him and him only, and he's going to be the face of the class. So to me, I would honestly, like I'm getting to the point where I would almost expect Oklahoma to wait through the fall before they offer a quarterback in the class of 2024 because that's going to give them an opportunity to see what the junior tape looks like for Lagway and Hawkins and Riola and Mabry Mattire. And at that point, you'll probably have an idea, a very clearly defined idea, of which of those four guys you want to prioritize. Well, the news on Jackson Arnold, he got the Elite 11 finals invite, right? That's right. So that's a big Pretty big step. Borderline five-star status right now. So he's inching very closer to five-star status. He is a good uh, season. Do you think can that happen over the summer, or would it happen uh, during his his season next fall? I, I think it's far more likely that it happens during his senior season. There's an outside shot he picks up the fifth star um, as we get closer and closer to the beginning of that season. Uh, of this fall, as a matter of fact, because when you look at going to an event like an Elite 11, for instance, and there's so much politics involved with the Elite 11, I can promise you, I can promise you with almost 100% certainty that either Arch Manning or Malachi Nelson is going to win the Elite 11, regardless yeah, right. of how well they perform. Um, so I, I don't think Jackson Arnold is going to win the Elite 11. But if he opens some eyes there, then maybe when that uh, when that ranking shuffle happens over the summer, you see him gain a couple extra spots, gain an extra ratings point, and maybe that's enough to 
push him over the top and get him that fifth star. But I think it's far more likely that he gets his fifth star next fall. Are we looking at a potential uh, Cotton Bowl matchup between Arch Manning and Nick Evers or Jackson Arnold down the road? <laughs> Wouldn't that be outstanding? Look, at this point, I honestly want – like, that's what I want. I want Arch Manning I mean, to the to word Texas. is Texas is leading on him, if you believe the word that's out there. Now, it may not be a big lead, but it, it appears to be that Texas is leading on him, right? Is that what you're hearing? Well, Texas and Georgia, I think, are the two schools – with the strongest odds right now, I just can't get myself to believe, Mike, that those two schools are going to get out of the woods without Alabama making a real strong play. I so don't know. we're thinking that he's going to end up SEC somewhere, Georgia or Bama. Or Texas, uh, yeah. Because, you know, you had Archie and uh, Eli at Ole Miss and obviously Peyton at Tennessee. So they – they, uh, you know, it would be un- a little bit unusual for him not to go to an SEC school just because of the history there. Now, again, it's a new new day and age. We're talking about Cooper's kid here, so who knows? But there's a lot of speculation out there that Texas is doing very well and may have a slight lead uh, for Arch Manning services. So we'll see. We've seen uh, the Sooners beat some pretty good Texas quarterbacks in the past, though. And we don't know, of course, who's going to pan out. Uh, down the road, but that certainly would be interesting. All right, more recruiting stuff coming up here in a little bit. Mike Steele, Parker Thune on a Monday. It is the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network. Right back to the Air Comfort Solutions tax line at 405-651-3439. That's 405-651-3439. We shall return and talk a whole lot more Sooner football and more coming up next. Okay, Wake. Way to go. Way to go, ladies and gentlemen, on the text line today. Keep them coming in, 405-651-3439. Air Comfort Solutions text line. Mike Steely, Parker Thune with you on a Monday and uh, getting ready for the Final Four this weekend. We'll hear from Brady Manick coming up here in a little bit, talking about going to the Final Four with North Carolina, the lowest-seeded team left, Carolina in eight seed. Uh, you've got a one, two twos, and an eight. Kansas, Villanova, KU, the only uh, remaining one seed left. Villanova, the two seed again. Bad news for Villanova. Junior guard Justin Moore, their second leading scorer, and uh, really a, a team captain, a vital cog in the Villanova machine, will not be uh, with the Wildcats for the Final Four out for the year with a hamstring injury. Duke and North Carolina. Coach K got to get by Carolina to get to the championship game on Monday. Two really weird games between these two teams. They split the regular season games. Duke won by 20 at the Dean Dome in Chapel Hill, and then Carolina came back and won by 13 at Cameron Indoor Stadium when Brady Manick had a huge game for uh, the Tar Heels. That was Coach K's last home game when he shushed the crowd and everything, and it was all uh, because they couldn't stop Brady Manick. So uh, first game out, these are both games that will be on TBS Saturday, by the way, in New Orleans. 510 Kansas Villanova, then approximately 750 the uh, nightcap in the evening, Duke and North Carolina. Riverwind Casino, we've got a lot of things happening. The April promotions are getting ready to get started. Uh, if you're a new member, you can be a part of the new member seven. Uh, become a new member and earn up to $450. In one day. Find out how at Riverwind.com. We also have the Beats and Bites lineup. The Outdoor Summer Concert Series is now 
out there and will start the festivities on May 28th. Night Ranger and Starship with Mickey Thomas will be outside with all the great food trucks and uh, the Coop Aleworks craft beer. And then we will have uh, coming up in June, on June 18th, Everclear with Sister Hazel and Deep Blue Something. Uh, in July, the Randy Rogers Band on July 9th. And uh, fireworks to follow that show with the Randy Rogers Band July 9th. You know that Riverwind's uh, fireworks show is uh, spectacular. And then July 30th, Scotty McCreary will take the Beats and Bites stage on July 30th to be the last show of the season. But again, Night Ranger and Starship in May. Everclear, Sister Hazel, Deep Blue Something in June. The Randy Rogers Band with the fireworks July 9th. And Scotty McCreary on July 30th out at the Beats and Bites Festival outdoors at Riverwind Casino, and uh, you can get your tickets right now at riverwind.com. That is riverwind.com. All right, you want to go back to the text line real quick? One listener says, I'm in as the mule shoe mole if the price is right. Gas allowance <laughs> must be included. Uh, we will, we'll take care of your expenses. They'll be tax deductible, but we will not, uh, we will not out you. So if you want to be the mule shoe mole, uh, that would be good. Another listener says, I think the people from Ukraine would laugh at this whole saga. Yeah, you know, real life going on there. That was just, uh, I don't know, it was just shocking to see that that would happen. I thought it was a complete overreaction, but man, uh, that's that's a moment that will live in infamy, no doubt. The mule shoe mole. Yes, we'll have to accept applications, forward them directly to Steely's inbox. Hey, if you were right now looking at the uh, 2023 and 24 classes upcoming for Oklahoma, right now as it stands, and it's still super early, but I know that 2023, uh, we've talked about that again, look for Oklahoma to be in a marathon, not a sprint, and finish with a strong kick in 2023. A lot of people are pointing to 2024. If you had to pick a number right now, where the Sooners might finish in 2023 and 2024. And again, way, way early. But what what number would you put on both classes? Three to six in 2023, one in 2024. Really? Yes. Mm, three. I th- think they end up with the top class in the nation. That in would be uh, Sooner fans would be doing backflips for both of those. Three to six in 2023 and one in 2024. That would be nice. All right, to the text line. And uh, somebody's asking about Brady Manic, do you guys cheer for Manic or criticize him for transferring to North Carolina? I'm cheering for uh, Brady Manic. I mean, it's kind of a cool deal, to be honest with you. I mean, think about it. It's the same. Who's the kid from North Carolina, the cornerback who came into OU? Trey uh, Morrison. Trey Morrison. I mean, this is a straight up trade. Yeah, you're playing. And uh, North Carolina's got a good, solid football program, but it's not Oklahoma, and so. And it's kind of the same way in basketball, right? I mean, Oklahoma's got a really good program. They're the best program in college basketball that hasn't won a national championship. The numbers uh, show that. But, again, they're not North Carolina. They're not one of the Blue Bloods. So I think it's a cool deal for Brady Manick. You know, and you know they, they were asking him to play post-defense his last season. He was very much up and down. But overall had a really good career. Uh, at Oklahoma and a kid from Hera. I think it's really cool. Uh, I tell you what, how much time do we have? Let's play that Brady Manic real okay clip real quick. Uh, Brady Manic on going to the Final Four because 
Uh, I think he sums it up pretty well here. You know, he's getting a chance to play for the Tar Heels. Did he quit in Oklahoma? I, I don't know. Somebody says that on the text line. Now, you can perceive it that way. I think it was a really good opportunity for Brady Manick. Let's hear what Brady Manick had to say about going to the Final Four. Just got done talking with Miss Davis. Uh, it's unbelievable. Um, I actually just got done talking with Miss Davis about uh, how a kid from Oklahoma ends up in North Carolina and somehow has a fifth year. Um, that's unbelievable. It's been an unbelievable story so far, and it's not over yet. What's your take on that? Did Brady Manick quit on OU? No, I don't think he quit on OU. He spent four years there. He spent an entire career there. He got a bonus year. He could do what he wanted with the bonus year. I don't fault him for going to North Carolina. Yeah, personally, I'm, root, I'm still rooting for Brady Manick. And by the way, I messed up that clip. I'm bad. If you want to edit out the first part somehow, <laughs> the, my bad. Uh, Oklahoma wasn't going to the Final Four this year, Mike. There was always a chance you could do you could be part of something special at Carolina, though. So you I, I got a bonus year. Yeah, I think it's pretty cool that he got to play in the state of Oklahoma, had a good career at OU, and again, then you get to go to North Carolina and go to the Final Four. I mean, that's about as good a college career as you could have right there. Play in your home state, play in front of your friends and family, get an opportunity to go play in a basketball hotbed at a Blue Blood program like North Carolina. I think, I think it's awesome. I don't fault him at all for that decision. Would I have liked to see him back at Oklahoma? Sure. Yeah. I think most everybody would. He's from Hera. You know, it's one of those things where if you're a local kid and you leave, it probably looks a little worse on you than if you came from out of state. Just because there's that sense of Oklahoma pride, Yeah, there there was a coaching change, and it doesn't say that, you know, he didn't believe in Porter Moser or whatever, but there was a coaching change, and uh, he just – Wanted to go play for Carolina. I think it's pretty cool, actually. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, that is hour number one. Hour number two. We're going to sock it to you in hour number two. That's what we're going to do, just like Will Smith did last night. Man, I'm going way back to the 70s. Who who said that? Was that on the Flip Wilson show? I'm really old, as you can tell. we got another hour. Keep it here. Jumping in to our second hour here on this Monday, hour number two, presented by the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley. Great to have you along. Hope your weekend went well. Always too short, though, but still. I got to tell you, Parker, I can tell I've worked with you long enough now to know that when you're a little bit tired. Now, you don't sound tired on the air. Oh, so no, I, yes, I, I am very tired today, Mike. But <laughs> you, uh, number one, you got burned again. It's that Nebraska winter skin that I don't know what it is, you grew man. up with. You got burned a little bit, even though you applied the sunscreen. I did. I didn't used to burn at all. We've talked about this. All of a sudden, I can't go out. I can't spend a day out in the sun without getting burned. Well, you were out in the sun for what, about four or five hours, I bet? Oh, it was or a lot longer? longer than that. About, what, eight hours on Saturday and another six or seven on Sunday? All right. So, in the camp this weekend you went to was? Battle Dallas, seven and on seven tournament. What did you, what stood out to you, your observations there? Yeah, well, as far as. <laughs> oh, and I, I cackle because I got to go back to the guy that Oklahoma didn't get at the quarterback position, Jaden Rashada. That dude is the most dominant quarterback I've ever seen in the seven-on-seven environment. And really, now you had a big man crush on Caleb. You I, never, said I that... never saw him in seven-on-seven. Okay, so that's that's why I specify because, like, I don't want to, 
I don't want to go overboard in my evaluation of Rashada based solely off what I saw in seven on seven action. I've I've seen the tape. I think tape wise, he's easily one of the top three signal callers in this class. He's ranked number five right now in the twenty four seven sports composite among quarterbacks. But and, and look, there have been there there are people who have been in the recruiting game far longer than I have. So take this with a grain of salt. But in the time that I've spent on the trail at these seven-on-sevens, I have never seen a quarterback light it up like Jaden Rashada. He won MVP honors at the event. The Immortals won the tournament. He was as sharp as was imaginable. Like Every single throw he made was on a rope and on a dime. His ball placement is outstanding. Uh, the velocity he gets just with a flick of his wrist is uncanny. So he was easily the standout performer. Uh, a couple wideouts that Oklahoma has offered from the state of Florida. Jeremiah's. Can I interject something yeah, before yeah, you go, go ahead, ahead? Go because ahead, go for ahead. those who didn't join us last hour, Parker, you said that he told you that he was close to committing to Oklahoma but got beat to the punch by Jackson Arnold, exactly. right? Exactly. Exactly. So, And we had talked about this all throughout January. Those were the two guys at quarterback for Oklahoma uh, that they had offers to. It was either going to be Jackson Arnold or it was going to be Jaden Rashada. And it was pretty much going to be whoever decided to visit campus and pull the trigger first. And that happened to be Jackson Arnold, uh, who had an outstanding day at the Elite 11 Finals, to his own credit, mm-hmm. yesterday and earned a uh, – or no, Elite 11 Regionals was where he was yesterday. He earned an invite to the Finals, which will be in June. So, Which you think may be paving the way, paving the road to a five-star yes. situation for him again soon. Yes, and he is – towing the line of five-star status as it is. I think there right now there are 38 five-stars in the 24-7 sports composite for the class of 2023. Jackson Arnold is ranked number 40 right now, so he is right there on the cusp. Okay, now Rashada, what are you thinking on Rashada now? Where, 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 where is he going to end that up? It sounded like Miami. Really? sounded like Miami is going to be the spot. Uh, and he, the thing about his recruitment is that everything's kind of gone haywire with regard to his best laid plans ever since Oklahoma had to remove itself from contention after accepting Jackson Arnold's commitment. So uh, there was some thought that maybe he'd go play with his brother at BYU. Arkansas is in the mix. Auburn's been in the mix. Oregon is in the mix. But as of late, uh, Miami has really entered the picture uh, in strong fashion, and he was playing with Miami Immortals this past weekend at the tournament. Now, he's from California, so the fact that he's playing seven-on-seven seven ball with a whole bunch of kids from South Florida, that tells you that uh, the folks down there are trying to make sure he develops those relationships and feels comfortable with the athletes that he's surrounded with because there are already several Miami commits on that team. So I, I believe – the plan is for him to take a campus visit with Miami this weekend. And look, he's not the type of kid that's going to drag it out once he feels comfortable with his fit. So I would expect, unless something changes drastically, that he'll be a hurricane probably within the next month or two. Okay, so the question becomes, as highly as you're talking about this kid, and Jackson Arnold, again, is very highly rated, and you think he's going to get a five-star. But are you saying at this stage, from what you've seen, that – Rashada would be the better prospect based on what you've seen? I'm not. Just in seven and se- seven I'm, on seven? I'm not willing to say that because I have not seen Jackson Arnold 
on a level playing field with Rashad. Now, that opportunity is going to come at the Elite 11 Finals in June. Because he has the Elite 11 invite, as you said. That, I think, is where we will be able to glean more of uh, an understanding of who has the edge between those two. And they're both outstanding quarterbacks. Obviously, they're both top 50 national prospects. I think they both have pros and cons to their game. Rashada, to be quite honest with you, Mike, might be a better pure thrower than Caleb Williams was at that age. Now, Caleb Williams, in addition to being an outstanding thrower, what really set him apart was his ability to go off script, create on the run. He just had an innate feel for every aspect of the quarterback position and a ridiculous degree of mobility that you just don't see. And it's the reason why he was the consensus number one overall quarterback in that class. As far as strictly, if you're strictly confining it to throwing ability, I really do think Rashada is better than Caleb Williams was. Now, the concerns with Rashada, uh, well, the primary concern is his frame. He's 6'4", but not much more than about 180 pounds, real skinny. He's the Chet Holmgren of college quarterback (laughs) prospect. I don't know if I'd go that far. Chet Holmgren is 7'1", 195. No (laughs) no one is as skinny as that man. Um, But, no, he's, he's slightly built. And so that is a concern that you have uh, with quarterbacks. Obviously, the game has changed so much. Quarterbacks don't have to take nearly as many hits as they used to have to take. You know, it used to be quarterbacks would stand in the pocket and get pummeled. Now, you know, if you uh, you brush a quarterback's shoulder the wrong way, you're getting flagged for roughing the passer. So with the rules that have been implemented to protect the quarterback position, I don't know that frame is as much of a concern for a signal caller as it used to be but I would say that's probably the primary reservation with Rashada at this point in time if he puts another 20 pounds on he's probably a top five prospect in this class regardless of position like he's he's that good with Arnold everything he does is so smooth and so fluid and he's a gamer too he's got that he's one of those guys that He's never just going to make jaws drop in an isolated workout or camp environment. Like, he'll he'll be good. He'll stand out. But you're not going to be salivating over the kid. When you see him on the field, that's when you're going to start salivating. Because when he puts the pads and the helmet on, he just kicks it into an extra gear. And you saw that in the state championship game uh, this past fall. I believe it was November, where he went toe-to-toe with a loaded Austin Westlake team and a five-star quarterback in Clemson signee in Cade Klubnick and just about led Denton Geyer to an upset victory over Westlake. So Arnold, in terms of what he brings in his game, he's got arm strength, he's got accuracy, he's got mobility, but that competitive edge, I think, is what really sets him apart. Again, I'm not comfortable saying... Rashada is better than Arnold, or Arnold is better than Rashada until I see them on a level playing field pitted against one another at the Elite 11 in June. I think that's when we'll be able uh, to draw a conclusion as to which of the two has more upside heading into the college game. All right, uh, big recruiting weekend, obviously, for the Sooners. Uh, Who will be the next three commitments for Oklahoma? Right now, Parker Thune saying the next three – That'll fall the way of the Sooners will be who? Gosh, that's tough. There's usually an easy answer. There really isn't right now. 
because still visits for these kids is that the main thing? Well, and just a lot of the dudes that I know that I feel really really confident about with OU, the likes of a Caden Green or a Trey Wisner, for instance, aren't making their announcements until late summer, early fall. So if we're talking about the next three commitments, man, I don't know. I think you almost have to start looking ahead at 2024s if that's the case. I'll say David Stone. I do think David Stone is going to be a Sooner in the very near future. I think Stacy Gage belongs in that conversation as well. Who was on campus this weekend. IMG kid, but born in Oklahoma. If, if I'm looking at a 2023 kid that could shock everybody and decide to pull the trigger, I'll throw two names out there. Both of them are from Texas. Uh, three-star athlete Samuel Omasigo from Crandall. Uh, being recruited by some programs as a wide receiver, the Sooners like him as an outside linebacker. And Mikhail Harrison Pilot out of Temple, Texas. And he is a guy that was getting looks from the old staff as a defensive back, but since the new staff came in, they're recruiting him as a wideout. So those are two guys right now that I would say Oklahoma is in a good spot to eventually get their commitment, and I think the dynamics of their recruitment are such that an announcement might not take forever to happen. What's going on with By Job? Man, that's a great question. <laughs> I, I that's that's one of those dudes that I don't think is going to decide anytime soon. I think it will be the fall before we know where By Job is going. And naturally with OU right down the road and with the relationship he's built with Miguel Chavis, I think you have to like OU's odds there. I don't think it's a slam dunk. And I don't think it's a 100% locked down. I think by Job is going to want to visit Miami. He's going to want to visit Alabama. He was on a visit to Georgia last week. And you've got some elite programs that are going to be heavy hitters in the race for his commitment. I tend to favor Oklahoma, but I don't at all want to make it sound like this thing is going to be a done deal because it's not right now. And I don't think it will be for quite some time. All right, we'll talk uh, a little more recruiting later. A bunch of that will be coming up also at the uh, top of the hour, locked in with Parker and Tyler McComas. When we get back, let's talk about players on the field right now for the Sooners in spring ball. We'll look at the wide receiver position, hear from Jalil Farouk and Theo Weiss. When we get back, spring game, April 23rd, 3 o'clock start. Baker statue dedication happening that day as well. Maybe we'll know where Baker Mayfield's going to be playing in the NFL next year by that time. Who knows? All right, stay with us. And thank you to the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley for sponsoring our second hour. Exit 72 for a great deal on a car or truck and a great guarantee. Oil changes engines for life on new or used gas or diesel at no additional cost to you. I'm a big Coldplay guy. I like Coldplay. Some people think they're a little bit wimpy. You know what? You got your opinion. I got mine. What do you say? Coldplay is wimpy? Like people say wimpy? Well, what was the movie where you go, you like Coldplay? And so everybody jumped on that train. Not everybody, but some people. I've never had a problem with Coldplay. I think they're pretty good. Pretty, pretty, think, pretty good. I think their songs border on cliche at times, mm-hmm. but they've got some really good ones I and can, have had some really good ones over the year. All right. Four, we'll call Coldplay's a four-star. Not a five-star, sure, but they're star. a solid four-star. Comfortable with that. All right. We'll be right back. It is a Monday edition of Steelman and Thune at noon. Mike Steely, Parker Thune with you on this Monday. Air Comfort Solutions text line 
405-651-3439. That's 405-651-3439. All right, spring football into week two. Uh, Sooner fans can't wait to get to the spring game, April 23rd, 3 o'clock at Gaylord Family Oklahoma Memorial Stadium. They're looking to pack the uh, Palace. We'll see if Sooner fans can get it done. Baker statue dedication that day as well. All right, let's talk about wide receivers. I think that everybody would be thinking about Marvin Mims as the number one guy. Theo Weiss, particularly if he can stay healthy. Obviously, Drake Stoops would be the three guys to look at with Braden Willis at H-back. What about Jalil Farouk after the job he did in the Alamo Bowl? He basically came to Oklahoma with Caleb Williams, right? And the speculation was, well, if Caleb Williams is leaving, Jalil Farouk will probably be leaving too, right? Did not work out that way. Here is Jalil Farouk talking about why he decided to stay. Uh, as a freshman, you know, dealing with a whole coaching staff leaving, um, considering transferring is a big factor, but uh, I came here for a reason. OUDNA is in my blood, so that's the reason why I stayed. At what point did you say, okay, I am staying? Was there like a, a certain day or certain instant, anything that you said, okay, I, this is my place? Uh, I still had a relationship with some coaches, like Coach Gundy that stayed. Mm-hmm. Uh, him being able to stay in my ear and make me feel confident that I'm still uh, wanted here uh, was a perfect reason for me to stay. All right, Jalil Farouk upside for Jalil Farouk. Parker, uh, you followed his recruitment. Uh, How good can this kid be? He can be really good, and I would expect he will be really good, uh, if not in 2022, certainly in 2023 for Oklahoma. I'm tempering expectations on Farouk, and I know his upside is very high, and there are a lot of people that are really excited about his potential, as they should be. I just... I don't know if the production is going to be what people expect from Jalil Farouk. And that has nothing to do with him and everything to do with the structure of Jeff Lebby's offense. Because if you look at the way that Lebby divides up the targets, and obviously it's not really at his discretion, but if you look at the way that the splits have come out uh, in his offenses over the years, generally there is a significant production gap between the number one wide receiver on the roster, and everybody else. I expect that Marvin Mims is going to have a massively productive season. I think everybody else is kind of feeding off the crumbs from Marvin Mims' table at that point. They're going to try to get him the ball as much as possible, as they should, because he's a dynamo. I think Jalil Farouk probably ends up with 400, 500 receiving yards, and to me, that's fine. It's... It's a stepping stone to what should be a legit breakout campaign in 2023. That's what I'm looking for with Jalil Farouk. I don't think this year is going to be the breakout. I think it's more of a stepping stone, a launching pad, if you will. I think 2023 is the breakout for him. All right, Theo Weiss back for his senior season. Again, there were some people, he he was in the portal initially, right, and thought that he was done at Oklahoma. And those three uh, highly recruited kids who all came to Oklahoma together with uh, Trajan Bridges, Jaden Hazelwood, and Theo Weiss, that would be it. But Theo Weiss decided, you know what, I am coming back. Here is what Theo Weiss said the other day, what the uh, transition has been like with this new staff. Um, It's been pretty simple for me, just – you know, head down, just keep working, keep working every day, and, you know, everything to take care of itself. What was the turning point for you when you decided to, to come back? Um, well, first I'll start by saying I never wanted to leave Oklahoma. You know, I love this place. Um, turning point, I would definitely say Coach Levy. 
just you know just his philosophy and just how how real he made me feel just you know just the family like feel I got from him all right, so uh, receivers again, Marvin Mims, Drake Stoops, Theo Weiss. You've got Trayvon West, Jalil Farouk, Cody Jackson, Brian Darby, uh, Jaden Gibson coming in, and who am I leaving out? There's one other that I – Nick Anderson. Nick Anderson, yes. Uh, Rodney Anderson's brother coming in as well. So we'll see who emerges from that group, but there's no doubt Marvin Mims is the bell cow guy of that group and uh, should have a, a good senior season, you would think, or junior season for Marvin Mims. Would be a junior season. Senior seasons for Weiss and Drake Stoops. Man, Drake Stoops, what a career he's put together so far, right? I mean, I think it's it's awesome as much as he's contributed uh, to this Oklahoma football team. Because I think there were some people out there that thought, ah, oh, Drake, you know, he's Bob's kid. He's going to get the offer. And he was a good high school player. How much will he play at Oklahoma? He's made some big plays at Oklahoma. He's a tough kid. He's had a really good career. Now headed into his uh, senior season. Okay, defense. When you think about defense, you think about that defensive line and you think about losing Isaiah Thomas and Nick Benito and Perrion Winfrey. And then you lose uh, Brian Asamoa and DTY. Uh, a bunch of guys up front, right, that they're going to have to replace in particular. Jeffrey Johnson played on Owen Field last year for Tulane. And that game that started the season went right down to the wire, had six tackles against OU, one for a loss, played really well, and now here he is, Jeffrey Johnson, now an Oklahoma Sooner and expected to be a big contributor. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of still trying to wrap my head around. I'm at Oklahoma. So, I mean, a lot of people say, oh, man, you're at Oklahoma. I'm like, yeah, I'm at Oklahoma. Like, I sit in my room at night time, like, I'm at Oklahoma. Like, it's, it's kind of cool. <laughs> What's that process been like for you, stepping into a, a new defensive line room, getting acclimated to all those guys? Um, I mean, I thought, you know, the transition was going to be harder, but I know, you know, everybody, it's a new coaching staff, so everybody's, you know, trying to adjust, you know, for, uh, get familiar with what they're doing. So, I mean, it's not, uh, you know, what I expected to be, you know, just trying to come in, like, fit in. You know, it's everybody's, you know, trying to learn and do the same thing. So, I mean, ultimately, like, it was really just been a smooth transition. Uh, all the guys, you know, just been respectful. You know, it's, I mean, we don't always compete, you know, um, you know, the standard is the standard. So, I mean, but it's definitely been great for me. Jeffrey Johnson have a, a shot at being a newcomer of the year on, on the defensive side of the ball. That's an inter- that's interesting that you bring that up because you know when you think newcomer of the year you're often thinking freshman right, right it's not yeah. often that you consider transfers in the mix but I, yeah I would say Trey Morrison is probably the guy that I would most expect to contend for those honors him and Jonah Laulu actually I'm really really high on Jonah Laulu but you got some very very solid newcomers at Oklahoma along the defense and. You know, I'm not. I'm not even just talking about the transfers. You can throw freshmen in there. You can talk about mm. Jaron Canick and Robert Spears Jennings and those types of guys that could have an impact right away for this program. Kanai Walker is another guy coming in as a transfer from Louisville. C.J. Colden from Wyoming. There are a lot of new faces on this Oklahoma defense, and there will be a lot of new faces come the fall when we find out what the defensive starting lineup looks like. But there's a ton of reason for optimism about all those dudes. None of them are just bodies. What are we thinking about the rush specialist in the Brent defense and who that might be and how that might be changing with that new scheme? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say. I don't think anybody knows for certain how it's going to shake out personnel-wise because – 
I mean, there's a chance Brent Venables employs the exact same scheme he was using at Clemson, but we're also talking about Brent Venables. He excels at mixing things up, more so than any defensive coordinator in college football, and that's the reason why he's been so successful over the last two decades. So I don't think it's going to be a direct transplant of the playbook that he employed at Clemson. I think you will see some wrinkles unique to the new personnel group uh, and the particular skill sets that he has at his disposal at Oklahoma uh, on an individual basis. And if you're looking for a guy that's going to fill that traditional edge rusher type of mold in the Brent Venables defense, I think that guy is Marcus Stripling. A lot of people would say it's Clayton Smith. I actually like Stripling a little bit more than Smith at this point in time. I think his frame is more suited for it. And I think he's proven over his first couple of years at Oklahoma that he's capable of beating dudes off the edge. I got to see it from Clayton Smith before I'm going to say that he's going to beat out Marcus Stripling. So in terms of a pure edge guy, I like Stripling the best. Again, I would hesitate if we're going to say, yeah, Venables is going to be using that prototypical edge guy on three downs because – I don't think that's the case. I think you will see a variety of different fronts. And as a matter of fact, I know that. I know you will see a variety of different fronts, mm-hmm. and Venables is going to mix and match to create mismatches all across the defensive front. All right, linebacker, uh, you have Deshaun White coming back. You obviously have Danny Stutzman. Jaron Kanick uh, can also fit in there as well, perhaps, obviously, with his uh, talent. What about a guy that – and somebody asked me the other day, who's a guy on, the, on defense – that could emerge that nobody's really talking about. And he's been talked about a little bit. It's not like he's completely forgotten. But what about Shane Witter? Tremendous speed. Tremendous speed, and he's honestly, like, he may actually be more of a safety than he is a linebacker. Kind of a hybrid. When you look at, one of yeah. those guys, hard to find where you want to put him. Yeah, he's that. that's the reality, is he's kind of a tweener, almost. And I think that's what's held him back. And he's seen some action over his first two years in Norman. I just I don't know how many snaps are available for him in a linebacker room that already features Danny Stutzman and Deshaun White and a very experienced App State transfer in TD Roof. Brendan Walker is a guy that's probably more of an edge, but we, he, he doesn't even really get talked about at all. That's a guy that made some plays as a true freshman for Oklahoma. Sat out most last season with an injury, but is going to be back in the fold. I don't really know where Clayton Smith is going to end up positionally at this point. Maybe he plays more outside linebacker than edge. The picture at linebacker is very unclear. And I think the only thing that we can say for certain right now is that Danny Stutzman's going to start. Danny Stutzman's going to be he's going to be somewhere in the mix. Probably right there at the heart of it all. Beyond that. It's very much an open competition. And so I I honestly think T.D. Roof is a guy that might end up getting more playing time than people expect just because of how experienced he is. And as I have said many a time and will continue to say, Brent Venable's defense is far more about your ability to execute your role and your assignment than about your physical ceiling as a football player. That's why some of the most successful football players that Brent Venables has had at Clemson – are guys that you would never pass on the street and think, okay, yep, that's a high-end Skowski kid, player. right? Exactly. Yeah, no doubt. 
All right, we're going to break right here. Thanks again to our friends at the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley. Exit 72 in Paul's Valley if you want a great deal on a car or a truck. They are the folks you want to go with and a great guarantee after the sale. Oil changes, engines for life on newer used gas or diesel at no additional cost to you. All right, tax line, Air Comfort Solutions, tax line 405-651-3439. That's 405 651 3439. We'll come back, talk a little sooner softball and the final four next. All right, our friends at Riverwind Casino April promotions will be released soon. I can tell you that we have the Beats and Bites lineup all set. What's Beats and Bites, you ask? Well, if you don't know, you better ask somebody. I'm here to tell you Beats and Bites, the outdoor concert series. At Riverwind, it is big time outside, great food out there, all the food trucks. Another good lineup. Remember last year we had uh, Hall of Fame Rockers Cheap Trick outside of the Beats and Bites Festival. And this year it will get started on May 28th with Night Ranger and Starship. Sister Christian to Sarah, No Way Outs. We built this city. We'll be playing the hits. May 28th, Night Ranger and Starship with Mickey Thomas. And then in June, it's Everclear with Sister Hazel, all for you, and uh, Deep Blue Something on June 18th. We also have the Randy Rogers Band putting on a show. They'll be on the stage, the Beats and Bites stage, on July 9th. And that will be followed by a fireworks spectacular because Riverwind does it uh, better than anybody else on the 4th of July in this area. The Randy Rogers Band, July 9th, with the fireworks after the show. And Scotty McCreary, July 30th, Beats and Bites, lineup set for 2022. Live music, local food trucks, craft beer, every month, all summer long. It's the Beats and Bites Festival at Riverwind Casino. Simply the best. You can get your tickets online right now at riverwind.com. That's riverwind.com. All right, my man Parker Thune is very, um, oh, I would say disappointed in the Final Four that's coming up this weekend. You're not that excited. It's too I'm bl- not that excited. Too, too blue blood for you. It's literally all blue blood, Mike. Like, if, think think about the blue blood schools of college basketball, and I guarantee you, you ask somebody to name six blue blood schools in the sport of college basketball, those four are going to get rattled off. All right, and the others that would be that uh, we would consider Kentucky, blue bloods, UCLA, Kentucky, UCLA. even though UCLA hasn't been in a while, but with all their national championships. Uh, you know, the ones, is, is Indiana still a blue blood? Not no, really, but no. they've got a good reputation. But, yes, no doubt about these schools. They have been among the best uh, in the business for a long time. I, You know, the uh, the Saturday night late game at 7.50. By the way, both games on TBS this weekend again from New Orleans. Kansas-Villanova starting at 5.10 on TBS, and then Duke and Carolina in the nightcap at 7.50. Now, Kansas got there, and Kansas uh, did not have a great first half. Uh, Kansas was down by six to Miami, and Cam Augusti was having himself a half, former Sooner. But Kansas absolutely obliterated Miami, 47-15 in the second half. Uh, former Oklahoma State Cowboy, Evans' very own Bill Self, uh, going back to the Final Four, a chance to win a second national championship. Here is Bill Self after his Jayhawks dominated Miami in the Midwest Regional Final yesterday. Kind of a tell of two halves, obviously. We, we weren't very good the first half and played tight and a little bit and couldn't guard McGusky and, and uh, 
for whatever reason, uh, uh, league came off the second half and the intensity picked up defensively. And, and then we, uh, we had about two good plays turned into four, which turned into eight, which turned into 16. Uh, that, that was about as well as we could play the second half. And, you know, these guys earned it. So, so, uh, so proud of them, proud for our program. And we need about four days off. I can't wait to get to New Orleans. Okay, Parker, you may not be totally excited about this Blue Blood Final Four, but if you uh, had, if you have one team you're rooting for this weekend, who are you rooting for to cut down the nets? At this point, I want to see Coach K go out on top. Like, there, there is no other team that I would rather root for than Duke, which I never figured I'd be saying. But I don't want to root for North Carolina. I don't want to root for Villanova. They've won two national championships in the last five years. I don't I certainly don't want to root for Bill Self in Kansas. Like I it's astonishing that I find myself somehow subconsciously pulling for Duke in all of this. But that's honestly what I want. I want Coach K to go out with a championship. Um you know, I, I'm so uh torn here. I would rather see uh, Duke or Carolina win it, but I, I almost, I, I'm just rooting for a really good game between Duke and Carolina, and I'm to the point where I'm so wishy-washy on Coach K. There's some things I like about him. There's some things that I'm like, man, the guy's a total jerk. He's just like his mentor, Bob Knight, in many ways, but um, I, I think I would like to see Duke and Kansas play for the championship on Monday. I don't think Villanova's going to be the same. They're still a tough team. But without Justin Moore, that's going to be very uh, difficult, no doubt about it. But you think about, um, you know, Mike Krzyzewski, this is his 13th Final Four. It would be his sixth national championship if they get it done. And uh, interesting matchups again when you think about the two teams playing during the regular season because both teams won on the other's home floor. Duke won by 20 at the Dean Dome, and Carolina won by 13 in Durham in that last game ever at Cameron Indoor Stadium for Coach K. So should be a heck of a game. Um, so, I mean, you, you want to see if Duke plays in the finals, you want it to be KU because I, I just don't think – look, Villanova's going to play hard. They're going to be gritty. They've still got some good players. Colin Gillespie is their leading scorer. But Thomas, the team captain, second leading scorer, really good player. Been around and been there and done that for a while with Villanova. So – to me, it looks like it'll be if Coach K is going to win this, he's obviously going to have to get by his Tobacco Road rival in the late game Saturday and then probably Kansas on Monday. Does that one excite you at all? Duke and Kansas is probably the one I want to see. Yes. Yeah. Same um, here. I, Villanova, Villanova just doesn't excite me. They really don't. And – I love the way that North Carolina plays. I'll say that. I don't love North Carolina as a basketball school. You know, it's, I, it, I've kind of gotten to the point where I'm tired of seeing North Carolina win. It's the Chiefs effect, almost. I hear you. Now, with Duke, when was the last time Duke won a title? 2015? <sighs> that sounds about right, yeah. Because it was the year after they lost to Mercer in the first round, if I recall correctly. Yeah, it's, I, I, that sounds right to me. And, yeah. and I remember when they lost to Mercer in the first round because yeah, that was that would have been my freshman year of high school. So, yeah, 2015, I believe. But uh, Duke is not as insufferable as North Carolina. 
in my eyes. Really? Yes. Over the, you see, you don't go back far enough. That's probably true. Because if you went back to the Leitner days, now you you saw some of the uh, uh, Grayson Allen period. Yeah, I remember the days going back to J.J. Redick when he was mm-hmm. at Duke. Uh, obviously, Grayson Allen was <laughs> an adventure. I'm trying to think who who did do. I guess they had Kyrie Irving there yeah, in the yeah. late 2000s, mm-hmm. and then who who was the straw that stirred the drink for that national title team that beat Butler in 2010? Golly, I'm trying to remember. Of course, they had Zion, and uh, they got they had, beat again. Yeah, but they had, not that you're not talking about that. That was a little later. Like who was good on that 2010 national title team? They had Kyle Singler. Mm, he was the MVP, MOP, really? most outstanding player. Yes, the he mop. Was, he was he was the MOP. Kyle Singler, straight from the state of Oregon to Durham, North Carolina. So yeah, uh, you know, to me, like I said, uh, I think we're going to see Kansas and Duke. I think Duke Carolina is going to be a heck of a game. By the way, uh, Kelvin Sampson and Houston bow out to Villanova. If they didn't been a, what were they like? One of eighteen, one of nineteen from three point range in one that game. One of twenty. One of twenty. Think about what he did. Second straight trip to the Elite Eight. He has made Houston Cougar basketball fun and exciting again. Look, it's not the days of Phi Slamma Jamma or Elvin Hayes, but it's pretty good right now under Kelvin Sampson. And he lost his two leading scores during the season and was able to get, you know, he lost uh, Edwards and Sasser during the season. And people are thinking, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? Will they get to the Elite Eight again? And, uh, you know, they can win ugly basketball games, but guess who else can? Villanova. And Villanova did 50-44, to 44, man. That's like going back to the days of Mr. Iba, Nutter Shorts, and Peach Baskets. Now, the almost. national title game, the sequel, in 2011, or would it have been? No, it was 2011, between UConn and Butler. That game was awful. I remember that was a very similar. I think the final score was 53-41. to 41. Yeah, not cool. Kemba Walker won that one pretty much single-handedly for mm-hmm. UConn. But, yeah, ugly basketball, man. You'll get a game every now and again like that in March. Absolutely. So, again, uh, first game out Saturday, 5-10 on TBS, Kansas and Villanova. And then the nightcap, Duke and Carolina, Tobacco Road rivalry. Again, they split two games during the regular season. Didn't play in the ACC tournament. Both teams winning big on the other's home floor. That's seven fifty in New Orleans on Saturday. Blue Oyster Colt. More cowbell. I got a FIBA, and the only prescription is more cowbell. Stay with us. We're coming right back. Okay, home stretch. Last segment on a Monday. We've got locked in uh, with uh, Parker and Tyler McComas coming up. Some new Brent Venables audio coming up from his meeting with the media. He's still uh, meeting with the media. Little uh, availability today. Sooners into their second week in spring practice. Will Baker Mayfield Parker be a starter in the NFL next season? Yes or no? What do you? Yes, think? I believe he will. Hmm. Hmm. And I think the only reason I say that is because I think the only reason he's playing NFL football next season is because he's a starting quarterback. Like. I, I guess I phrased that poorly. The only way he's playing NFL football this fall is if he's a starter because the harsh reality, Mike, is that 
nobody's going to roster an $18 million a year backup quarterback. To me, Baker Mayfield is going to have to end up with a team that's going to put him in a starting role because if he ends up up a creek without a paddle and he's got no takers, the Browns are just going to cut him. Seattle, is that where you think it's going to be? That's where I would like to see him. I think that's the school that makes the most sense. All right, somebody was asking me uh, the other day, and I'm thinking back to, you know, Heisman Trophy winners, would Baker be considered a big disappointment? And the answer would be yes if, you know, he doesn't do something beyond this because he wasn't just a Heisman Trophy winner. He was the number one overall pick. But if you think of the Heisman winners since 2000, you had Chris Winkie, didn't amount to anything in the NFL. Eric Crouch didn't, didn't even get drafted into the NFL as a quarterback. Carson Palmer. Uh, had a good, solid, uh, you know, career. It led the Bengals to the uh, AFC Championship game. Got hurt a bunch, but I would say he had a. Uh, what do you think on Carson Palmer? Solid NFL career. Matt Leiner, disappointing. Troy Smith was a non-factor. Tim Tebow had his one shining moment. Sam Bradford, love Sam, but he had a uh, you know an, an average NFL career again, based on where he was picked. Cam Newton, yes, MVP. Led Carolina to a Super Bowl. I don't know if Cam Newton's a Hall of Famer. Is Cam Newton a Hall of Famer? In the NFL? I don't think he is. No. No, absolutely not. If he had won a Super Bowl, maybe. But no. I don't even think he's a Hall of Famer if he wins a Super Bowl. RG3, disappointing. Johnny Menzel, total flop. Jameis Winston, still hanging around. Uh, How would you describe Jameis Winston's career? Mediocre? A lot of turnovers. Thrown for a lot of yards and a lot of turnovers. I don't even know if mediocre is the right word because mediocre just it carries the connotation of ho hum, doesn't it? And Jameis Winston's career has been anything but ho hum. Like thirty touchdowns and thirty interceptions mm-hmm. is not ho hum. I like I don't really know how to categorize Jameis Winston's career or the type of football he's played. I'm gonna have to come up with a with a really good word to encapsulate it. But like he threw what his last year with the Bucks in 2019, I want to say he threw 42 touchdowns and 31 interceptions, thus becoming yeah. the first NFL player in over 30 years to throw 30 interceptions in a season. <laughs> that, that's that's not mediocre, and that's definitely not ho hum. I'm trying to think of a good word to describe Jameis Winston as a quarterback, and quite honestly, I can't right now. Not offhand. Uh, Marcus Mariota hasn't done anything. Uh, the Atlanta but he's Falcons, apparently going to be the starter yeah, in Atlanta. In Atlanta. Lamar Jackson's been really good. Um, so you would say Lamar Jackson, he's been an MVP. He's been good. Uh, Baker's been overall a disappointment. He's had his moments. But uh, Kyler Murray has been good so far. Joe Burrow. Really good so far. Uh, so, again, winning the Heisman Trophy doesn't mean anything uh, in terms of an NFL quarterback. Uh, Baker will be judged more harshly because he was also the number one overall pick. So, anyway. All right. Uh, we got to get out of here, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we've got some tech, some good ones coming in. And I, w- I wish I want Will Smith to slap Christian Leitner. <laughs> Repeatedly. <laughs> Oh, man, the most hated man in college hoops history. That includes Gabe Benecki at Texas was pretty high on the list, but 
Christian Leitner, no doubt. That's why they had the 30 for 30. Everybody hates Christian Leitner. All right, we got to get it out of here, and uh, we've got Locked In coming up. Thank you to the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley, sponsoring our second hour. Exit 72 right there in Paul's Valley for a great deal on a car or truck. Great guarantee. Oil changes, engines for life on new or used gas or diesel at no additional cost to you. I like that phrase. All right, Locked In is on the way. Have a great Monday. We'll see you tomorrow.